right, I'm here with uh, Pastor Jeff Jones. He's a pastor of uh, Hilltop Church in Pequay, Verena, North Carolina. And I really appreciate him taking time to be with us today. He is uh, in his hotel room preaching revival this week. So appreciate him taking time out of his schedule to be with us. Brother Jeff, for those that are watching that uh, don't know you, I know you haven't been able to make it make it up to Erie yet, and others that'll be watching, just give us a short biographical sketch of who Jeff Jones is and tell us a little bit about your ministry and your family. I certainly will. And again, it's an honor to be with you, Daryl. I appreciate the opportunity to share. I um, I, I was raised in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I was, was saved uh, at the age of seven at, at Faith Church in Goldsboro. Um, uh, Fred Carraway uh, became a very strong influence um, in, in my life, and, and, and Dan Patrick as well was my pastor, but Fred was my youth pastor. Both of those men uh, obviously are, are very influential to me, and, and I love them. And, and, and really because of the influence of those two fellows, um, I, I really started um, debating at 17 about the Lord's will. Um, we went to the wilds. It was a tremendous trip, probably one of the first glances of revival I've ever personally experienced. Uh, um, uh, was there at the wilds. Randy Sawyer was our preacher that that uh, week and uh, and our weekend. We had the Fruit Baptist weekend at the wilds, and and boy, God got a hold of me, and I gave up my my dream of being a highway patrolman, which I chuckle at now, and um, and surrendered. Um, surrendered to, to preach and so I because of that decision direction of my life changed I went to Southeastern uh, I studied at Southeastern upon graduating now 1987 I went to Hilltop Church um, uh, Billy Bevan was the pastor that brought me here church ran a couple hundred people and uh, um, I, I did the youth and bus ministry there we were um, just chugging along enjoying ministry and Seven years later, Brother Bevan went went uh, on to, to work at Southeastern, and, and I assumed the pastorate. I, I never dreamed, never thought that, but um, um, I, I took the pastorate, and, and in the meantime, I recognized I wanted to, to work toward a, a seminary degree as well, so I enrolled at Bob Jones University, and it took me a little longer to get there than most because of pastoring a church, and their church was really starting to grow, and um and so uh, I finished uh, there at seminary at Bob Jones, and uh, and and soon after we relocated our whole shooting match. That's now been uh, 16, 16 years ago now. It's hard for me to believe that, but uh, 15, 16 years, uh, we moved everything, built a school building, church building, everything, relocated um, on uh, just under 30 acres, right within a stone's throw where we originally were at. And, uh, and, and the rest is kind of history. God's been very good to our church. And uh, I know it's not me. I know it's him, but I sure am glad I get to be there and be a part of it. And that, uh, that, that really is kind of the Reader's Digest version of my, of my testimony and where I'm at and what we're doing for the Lord there. And uh, your wife, Rose, uh, you, you guys have two girls. Yeah. And um, yeah, they're both grown now, which yeah. makes me old, I guess, Daryl. <laughs> uh, Rose and I were married in 1985. Um, we dated uh, in, in, in high school, and uh, we, we got married after our sophomore year. I had a, a pretty good job while I was in college, believe it or not, one that encouraged me that I, could, I thought I could do that. And so we got married, and, uh, and uh, she's a teacher, but she hasn't taught for years because of her responsibility. We kind of 
have her overseeing the ladies ministry of our church. She also coordinates our couples retreats and, and, uh, and, and, and major events that, that we have. She, she kind of is my, my, my go-to over overseeing those things for me. Um, but I am, uh, Rose is, is probably a model pastor's wife. I mean, she really is. I, cause you, you say that, hope she hears it and I get, you know, some branding points there, but that that's not, I'm not, meaning that I, she really is an excellent wife and i think sometimes hilltop keeps me because of her along the way we had two children um stacy who's married to joe ainge uh, who pastors uh, the union chapel church in chocowinity and then my youngest daughter is leslie uh, who was married a year ago just uh, last month a year ago they celebrated a year anniversary and um they're in our church and uh, she married uh, tyler neal from the liberty church in durham and They've been uh, a part of our church since, since they've been married, and um, she's a nurse. And so I have an English teacher in Stacy who graduated from Southeastern, and I have a, a nurse uh, in Leslie, and uh, I tell her that uh, she's going to be the one that puts me in the nursing home and changes the, the, you know, the little towel that lays on your shoulder, but she laughs about that. But I have uh, two great girls that both love the Lord, and uh, one's in ministry full-time, the other's in the ministry of our church. I know that's a blessing. Uh, one thing, Brother Jeff, that I've appreciated about you through the years is uh, your passion for preaching and the fact that you're a passionate preacher. And I really think that those two things go hand in hand. I know that you taught homiletics at Southeastern. Um, was your master's degree in, involved in, in that? Uh, no, no, it wasn't in, it, it was not in, it was, it did have some expository preaching in it, obviously, but uh, no, because one of my classes was expository preaching through the Old Testament, but, but no, it was just generally theology. Okay. Um, I, I know that uh, other people have recognized that about you, and um, I know that you've spoken at different places about the subject and uh, expository preaching and those kind of things. But I kind of want to look at it from a little bit different perspective, um, because I, I know there'll be some preachers that'll watch this, and uh, hopefully they, they can benefit from the conversation. But I want to look at it from the perspective of the folks in our church. Why is it important uh, for them to place themselves under the preaching of the Word of God on a regular basis? Uh, we obviously believe in the priesthood of the believer and all those kind of things, but we understand that, that Scripture places a preeminence upon the preaching of the word of God. So I just wanted to sh you to share a little bit about that with us today, if you will. But could I at least, uh, if it, with your permission, I want to make sure that those that were listening would understand we use the phrase twice. I have, and you have expository preaching kind of yes. what it means oh, sure. people yeah. have a, um, you know, for 19 years, I did teach homiletics at Southeastern. I would have continued, but the, the demands of the church. And of course, I think, you know, that I'm, very active with home missions department as well. And so my schedule just really didn't, didn't go well, but I would start the class for, uh, for 19 years. I would start at making the statement. I do not believe expository preaching is the only kind of preaching. I believe biblical preaching is the only kind of preaching the preacher ought to do, but I like expository preaching for the pastor because you're systematically going through books of the Bible and you're letting the word of God itself 
make your points. In other words, I, an expository sermon, I want all of my points to come from the text, and, and then and it all marries back to that main point. That's what an expository sermon does. A topical sermon uh, can be a good sermon. I, I have on occasion preached them myself, and you have too, I'm sure. And I, so I don't, I, I despise people saying, you know, I'll never preach a, a topical sermon. Well, there's sometimes you probably ought to preach a topical sermon, but here's what you're doing. You're, um, you're going, uh, this is the subject I want to cover, kind of the direction I want to say it, and then I comb the scripture to make sure I can find or give verification to what I'm going to say. And that's a, that's a, a barbarically stripped down explanation, but, but in a, in a, in a, in a, really, in a sense, that's kind of what you're doing. So in expository sermon, you start with the text. In a topical sermon, you start with the thought of the topic you want to cover. Um, in my opinion, if you preach expositorily as a pastor, week in and week out, if you preach expositorily, you're going to cover scripture and people are going to grow and mature. But I believe I believe it can happen too with a topical preacher. I have some great friends that are great topical preachers, but I always say, make sure then you're in context, give context at the beginning because, you know, Scripture's not up to a private interpretation. It has a content. It was a, a, a certain individual wrote to a certain group of people, and they had a reason for their writing. And if you don't get those questions answered, you're going to be out of context. And so if I'm going to preach a topical sermon, my introduction is going to include what I just said to you, to, to a T. All right. In my opinion, um, God, God chose, not in my opinion, in Scripture. He chose the foolishness of preaching. Um, in you and my... And our mindsets as pastors of local churches, and that's what we are, Daryl. We're, we're, we're leaders of, of local churches. If I were to, to say, well, I've got to compete with the television world or compete with the radio world, well, I'm going to lose. But we have a communication that's different than they do because when I'm preaching on the outside and speaking on the outside, I'm convinced the Holy Spirit, which abides within uh, a believer, is speaking on the inside. That isn't just a nice little spiritual thing to say. That's the difference in our communication and you watching some television show or some documentary on television. Yeah, you can be educated by the documentary, but this is a different ball game. This is preaching. And that's why God, I believe, chooses the foolishness of preaching. Um, and so because of that, every service at Hilltop, and, and, and everybody's not like me, and I'm, I, I'm not up here saying on your podcast, saying, if you're not like me, you're not right with God. That is not, I'm not that narrow-minded, nor do I want to be that narrow-minded. But for our services at Hilltop, every service, some of our people probably will listen and they'll say amen to that. Even if I have, you know, like the Southeastern Quartet come or I have a singing group, even, we're still going to have at least 10 to 15 minutes where we take the Bible and expound on the Word of God because God chose preaching and it's that important. And um, that's kind of, I wanted to begin by at least giving you that, that background or the way that I think uh, concerning preaching. That makes sense. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So this year has been uh, tough on, on a lot of ministries with COVID and everything. And when we first shut down and started doing all online services, our preaching services on Facebook, YouTube, you know, we had a lot of interest. A lot of people were tuned in. And then as the weeks passed, I noticed that began to dwindle. And just about every pastor I've talked to has seen the same thing happen. Um, now, we've been able to go back to outdoor services because our building's not ready yet. But of course, winter is coming in Erie. <laughs> so I'm not sure how long we're going to be able to do those outdoor services until our building is ready. Um, you know, th this is a, a challenging time. It doesn't, it doesn't diminish the 
the importance of the Word of God. And I think in the day and age in which we live, you know, the technology, there's really no excuse for the average person not to avail themselves to to the preaching of the Word. I couldn't agree more. What would you have to say about that? Well, there's a reason why the Word of God says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. And I, um, you know, I willingly, when North Carolina and, and, and our Governor Cooper uh, laid out the instruction, you know, we, we, we did the same thing you did. We had our, our online services. And I think at first it was okay, just like you. Um, um, our numbers were, were well, and our giving continued to be good. And so I knew people were connected because people are not going to give money to something they're not uh, feeling a part of or connected to. Um, but it, it did dwindle. And as soon as we had the, the nod to have our services inside, we, we went immediately. Now we had to do some out, outside services first. And I did it for like a, almost maybe a month and a half. And, um, and we would have, you know, before the pandemic, our church averaged more than that, but we would have probably 50 to 60% of our people come to the drive up service. And uh, we, you know, we have a big soccer field and we roped it off and, you know, put our, you know, Build a, we actually built a stage there and, and used that wire where you could tune into a radio station and it worked and people liked it. But there was something about getting back into the church that I think was positive. But even now, we still have, I would say, you know, our, our, our church probably has about 250 people that are still not coming back right now. Some of them are our older people and a few that have some, um, some some issues physically where where they would be more at risk, and and I'm not making them or, or trying to make them feel bad about that. Matter of fact, I'm glad we still have our online services for them. But I'm gonna tell you, it's been a breath of fresh air to, to get back in services, and and I believe it's more than just hearing a sermon. That's that's what I want to say. It's much more than hearing a sermon. You exhort one another. You encourage. I needed it as a preacher. There, I, I I said. We have a green room that we that I would preach to, and, and we have a media guy on, on our staff. And um, I had him go set up the, the the video, and I'd stand in front of the green screen, and uh, and I had him when I first did it. He's sitting there just looking at me, and I went, "This is not going to work." I stopped it. I said, "Go get in the corner and face the wall." So I can't do this. This is just weird, um, and that's just me being honest. And so Nathan, who is a wonderful employee for us, and, and a good just really good at this. He laughed and he went and got himself in a corner where I went and faced away from me. And, and I could, I hated that. It was more that now, now Daryl, I'm being overly honest. Now it was the first time that I actually felt like preaching was a job and not, not ministry. That's how I felt because there's no one there. It's a green screen and a camera and, and you and the media guy. Um, I just did not like that. So I was welcoming when it was time to, to, to have services again. And so we have, and for that, I'm, I'm very appreciative. Um, I, I, I preached a sermon that, you know, there's something about being fed spiritually, but there's also something about being encouraged by other people, being an example, rubbing shoulders, iron sharpening iron. Um, there, there's something about actual corporate worship that's biblical and we need those things. And so you know, yeah, I believe preaching is is the pinnacle ser- part of the service, yes. But all of us coming together, to me, makes a major difference. Just does. Amen. I agree. How do we take? How do, how does our 
how does our people, how, how do they take what they hear Sunday morning, Sunday night, whenever it is, whether it be live or, or virtual, and take what they've heard and make it become more than just white noise? How do right. they take what they've heard and apply it to their life? And I know that we try to give some applications for them, but what, from your perspective as a pastor, what have you seen that's been a help to your people when they take what what you share with them from the word yeah. and really apply it to their life? Yeah, well, I'm glad you used the word apply because <laughs> it was Charles Spurgeon said, we haven't preached until we've applied. And I think that's an, a very good statement. This is why we preach and this is what people should receive from the word. Number one, they should be spiritually fed. And what I mean by that is I, you and I would not go very many days unless we're fasting with a purpose without eating. And, and I, you and I will both say amen to that. I, I believe I have a degree in foodology, okay? I'm a foodie. And so, um, you know, I'm not going to miss an opportunity to go somewhere and have a good meal if, I, if it's afforded me. In that same way, I know you can read the Bible on your own, but there is, and you should, by the way. I, matter of fact, I preach a whole message on that too. And in, in, in revival, I plan to do it tonight. But there's something different about having someone in particular for, so if you have a pastor that, that, that is really good at handling scripture, that can teach you something, you are being spiritually fed. You don't miss an opportunity to be spiritually fed either. Matter of fact, you, you desperately don't want to do that. So there's the avenue of being spiritually, spiritually fed. Then there's the avenue of taking God's word and being cleansed. Um, I, I think it. I think it's an interesting phrase that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That's an interesting take that that Paul writes in Ephesians. Well, that tells me that God's word works and, and that that we can be cleansed um, by by the application of God's word. Uh, then there's the benefit of being educated. I don't want to walk around being a buffoon. I want to know the word of God and I don't want our people to be, you do not grow apart from the word of God. And so there is the, the side of being, being educated as well. And when it's all said and done, as the word of God is taught and as the word of God is applied, the people by principle will grow. And if they do not take it to heart, they will not grow. You don't grow because you hear a great song, even though I love hearing good music. You don't grow because, man, you went to this big conference and you come back on fire for God. That's nice, but that's not going to help you grow. You grow alone by the word. That's that's how you grow spiritually. And I think that's why what we do is in, is important. And I don't want to I don't want to be flippant about it. I want to be serious about it. And and I I put the time in and and do my best to to work and be prepared. And when I get the pulpit to feed my people, to challenge them to get right with God, to be clean. And then to grow. And that's our goal. It's like a three-point sermon, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Sorry. Oh, no. I have a no. preacher. <laughs> Good stuff, brother. Um, so maybe as a, 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 a layperson, you know, as they hear the message, maybe jot some scriptures down, jot some notes down, take that home and kind of review it through the week and say, okay, what, what I heard on Sunday, how, how do I need to live that out Monday through Saturday? And you're, you're asking, how do they do that? Yeah. Oh, that's a, <laughs> that everybody has a decision of what they're going to do with truth, don't they? And, uh, and you and I both, we've been at this a long time. Sad to say, I'm going bald and you're going gray. So we've been at this a while. We, um, I've been 33 years at the same church. I don't, that'll tell you. 
I have some people that I believe uh, they take to heart what I say and, and, and not because I say it because it doesn't really matter what my opinion is. It matters what God's word says. Uh, again, another reason why I'm, I'm big on expository preaching. I, it's not a matter of opinion here. I'm, I'm preaching truth from God's word. I have some people that are going to, when they hear it, they're going to implement it. And I watch them grow. Now, you know, we've got a big crowd. I have some people that have been there for a long time and, I sometimes wonder if a stick of dynamite would move them. I could get in trouble, but I'm not calling any names. But the difference in that one that's growing and the one that's not growing is application of the Word of God to their life. What they hear from us when we preach on Sunday and, and, and even a midweek service, or what they hear anytime we, we share God's Word with them, if they'll take it to heart and implement it, they will grow. I'm going to call this name. There, there's a guy in our church right now, and he's been... Uh, I really got to know him because when I built a house, he was the electrician on, on my house. And, um, and, and, and he has just really grown and, and he's gotten in my D group. I have a discipleship group every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. We meet. He's in my D group where we're, we're covering or using um, the foundations book and Robert Gallat Robbie Gallaty's, you know, division, the here journal. And he's a part of that. He goes, he, he, as a new Christian, he's coming to all the services uh, he and his wife, his wife just got baptized just last month. I actually baptized her. I don't usually do. Mark Cash usually does our baptizing, but because of our closeness, he wanted me to do it. Um, and I watched him grow. And, and I said this to my wife, and it's kind of really going to answer what you're asking. I said, you know, I found out when it comes to spiritual maturity, it has little to do with age. I, I've, seen, I've seen people that were 75 and 85 years of age that were not spiritually mature, been in church for all their life but have little to do with age. It has to do with, are you taking the word of God and making it applicable to your life? Are you applying what you've learned, the principles of the word of God to your life? Those that do will grow. Those that don't will be stale. And, and it, that's how it does. That, that's the answer to, to your question, in my opinion. It's, it's making application. And I know you used it, so it's almost re, re, being redundant. But there's not a, it's almost like Morris Vinden said in a sermon illustration. He said he would go preach on these um, these athletic, uh, what, what I call it, Christian, uh, the Christian Athletes Association. That's not the name of it. We both know what I'm talking about. Do you remember what it's called? Um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Ding. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad this is a conversation. I'm not a preacher right now because I could not remember it. I don't have notes in front of me. That's probably why. But anyway. He said he was going to speak two days uh, on a campus of a university, and there were just athletes there. That's all that was there. And, and he said that um, God, the very first day, raised his hand and said, I want you to tell me how to be a good Christian. He said, now, now don't give me that read your Bible and pray and go to church stuff. He said, give me the meat of how to be a, a great Christian. Morris Vinden correctly and, 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 and wisely said, I, I tell you what, I'll answer that question tomorrow. And he wanted to think. So the next day he gets back up and he says, where's that athlete at? And they asked a question. He, he, he reiterated the question. So the athlete stood up. He said, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to ask you a question first. I want you to tell me how I can be a great collegiate level athlete, but don't give me that. Eat right, get enough rest and go to practice stuff. Give me the meat of how I can be. a." Well, I think we both know what he said. I think that, that we hear that, you know, read your Bible, pray, be faithful to church and listen to the word of God. We hear that and we go, okay, give me something else. I've heard that all my life. Well, here's the deal. 
that is what will help you grow. It really is what will help you grow. It was not a plan B on that. I feel like I've been preaching the whole time, Daryl. Yeah, good stuff, Brother Jeff. I appreciate it. Well, uh, and I do apologize that outside my window, they're now mowing the grass, but I don't have any control of that. <laughs> well, thankfully, I, I'm not able to hear hear any of that background. Well, I'm surprised because it's certainly loud to me. So, very good. Well, I very hope good. I hope you have a great revival this week, and I appreciate you taking time to share some thoughts with us about the importance of not only preaching, but also being hearers of the word and doers of the word. And uh, I think it's important all three of those things uh, work together. Amen to that. There, let me say this before you go. Thank you for, for asking me. I appreciate guys like you that are interested in getting the word out uh, by, by, by methods like this. I just think this is a cool thing, and I was honored to, to have well, a part of it. I appreciate it, and I appreciate everything that you guys have done as a church to help us here in Erie. Uh, you guys have been faithful from the beginning, and it's a, it's been a blessing, and uh, we're, we're excited about getting in this new building, and and, uh, got it for you. Yeah. So keep praying for us. <laughs> Let's just keep on keeping on. Okay. Yes, sir. God, God bless you, brother Jess. Good to talk to you. You as well. Bye-bye.